0: Welcome back to the Bold Choice Podcast. My name is Adrian Morrell. I am your host. Thank you for tuning in to episode number two. It is a gorgeous day here in Vancouver, BC, on the traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Sowetooth, and I'm excited to get this going. First off, I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of what to expect in this episode because there's a lot of important things we're going to be talking about, and I want to give you an overview of what to expect throughout this episode. So first, we're going to hit the ice by talking about the boys in blue, the Vancouver Canucks, and what's been happening with them in this past week, because a lot has happened. A lot of good things, in fact. But there's also a lot of things that have happened in the last few days in regards to COVID-19 and where the Canucks are headed into the holiday stretch. And then we're going to shift gears a bit. We're going to go into another sports theme. But it's going to be at the beginning of a new segment with a very special guest who's going to be on the show every few weeks to give his opinion on this sport. Um, I'm not going to spoil too much right now, but let's just say it's a big swing for the fences, if if you understand that reference. And then we're going to end off the show with the normal Bull Choice of the Week segment that many of you really loved from the first episode. And this week is no different. It's going to have something that's somewhat controversial, somewhat enjoyable to talk about, to discuss, because it has a lot to do with self-growth especially how we look at ourselves in the last few years as, and you know going into the new year we think a lot of of how far we've come throughout this year so this segment will have a lot to do with that and i have a very special announcement at the end of this episode so be sure to pay attention but without further ado let's get started and let the good times roll Alright, welcome back. This is our first official segment of this week's episode and before I get to the Vancouver Canucks, I want to say that I am looking for a name for this segment and I say that because all my other discussions have different names to it and I I want it to be unique and something that is memorable and if you have any ideas, any suggestions, let me know. As long as it's not used by another podcast or it's appropriate because this is a a family friendly podcast uh, i hope um definitely let me know i'll take those into consideration and now on to the Vancouver Canucks the last time i spoke to you about them a lot had happened in that realm of things because i talked a lot about the changes that were being made in terms of the head coach and the gm position and as a recap our former head coach and his assistant are gone and our general manager and his assistant are gone. So that's four big positions that were vacant only for a short time because as soon as Travis Green, our old head coach, is let go, we bring in Bruce Boudreaux, an experienced head coach who brings a pedigree of success with him. And along comes Scott Walker, a former Canucks player who's now one of our assistant coaches. And our GM position was temporarily filled by a committee of of names such as Stan Smil, Daniel Henrik, Daniel and Henrik Sedin, Chris Geer, Ryan Johnson, etc. And we're obviously looking for a full-time general manager going forward, hopefully here for a long time to help build this team into a contender and an eventual Stanley Cup champion. And there are names that are swirling around for our GM position and for one of the assistant GM positions. And this is you know a a tough debate because everybody has their preferred choice there's tons of names i can get into um but one of the names that has been popping up a lot more frequently in the last few days is jennifer bottle and i know this brings mixed perspectives because i think you know she she would be a great candidate as assistant gm and i'm not even saying it in terms of you know filling A quota for bringing in a female executive that's not at all what i'm trying to say i think she's an exceptional hockey figure you know she's someone who has a pedigree of success and has this knowledge about the game and we see that as she's been on hockey nine canada and she has the knowledge she knows how the game is played and i think that would be a huge addition for this vancouver canucks organization and whether she's brought in or not i think this team is starting to realize that there are other ways that we need to think about how this organization is going to be built. And that starts from the culture that Jim Rutherford is kind of building here. You know, he's bringing in people that he knows will be here a long time and will be a part of something special. And that kind of connects to how this team has played ever since these changes have been made, because under Bruce Boudreaux, the team is now on a six game winning streak and whenever we get back to playing we're going to be looking to make it seven wins in a row and we're starting to catch the attention of other teams and other fans around the league and for a long time we were kind of the laughing stock of the league because we were struggling we were just doing so poorly where you know we were in last place and kind of battling with the coyotes and seattle for that that last spot and there's no way we should be that low on the standings and we're starting to make our way up because of these wins and whenever we get back to playing um, I know that this recent period of inactivity has kind of helped the team kind of gel and they're obviously practicing hard and, and making sure they're in, they're in game shape and game speed because as we continue we still have games to make up you know we have to continue to win games, to make our way up the standings and into a playoff position. And we're getting there slowly but surely. And we beat some good teams over this recent winning streak. You know, Carolina was a big win. We beat Boston. And those are two teams that are perennial playoff contenders. And you can't forget the big comeback win against Columbus. That was remarkable because we we in a position that game where we were just struggling and all the progress we made over the five games were kind of going out the window because we played so poorly and I felt bad for Yaroslav Halak because as soon as he was named as a starter people were kind of forgetting exactly who he is and they were saying you know oh we want Demko and there were apparently there were chants going on in the arena where they were shouting that they wanted Demko, and I feel that's a huge insult to to Jaroslav Halak, because he is a good goalie. I remember, you know, when he played with Montreal, there was a debate whether Montreal should keep Jaroslav Halak or Carey Price, and obviously we know what would happen from that, but Jaroslav Halak obviously redeemed himself throughout the game. The Canucks had that huge comeback win in 1-4-3, and Jaroslav Halak became a hero at the end and it was a remarkable win because the team just didn't give up you know they let I don't know how many goals in the first period it was maybe 3 nothing, 3-1 and it was just looking so ugly and we needed a way to kind of to make up ground and man the team did that and I loved watching the head I kept re-watching them because it was just this exhilarating rush and I I normally work in the arena, I just wasn't working that game because I had an exam the next day. And of course, I spent more time focusing on the game rather than studying. But I remember just watching the highlights and being so happy. And I, I know that fans at the game were happy, fans who didn't go to the game were happy, the players were happy, coaching staff were happy. Like Everybody was just so happy because of that win. And that was something that just is a huge point in our season, regardless of how we finish. I'll always remember that game against Columbus and that comeback. And I certainly hope that there's, there's games like this going forward, where we're kind of seeing this new tenacity of the Vancouver Canucks. And the more healthy we get, the more we continue to gel and win games and, and, and see how this team continues to flourish it's going to be exciting to watch because right now we're having our key guys play at a high level. Quinn Hughes has been amazing. JT Miller has been amazing. Thatcher Demko has been amazing. Brock Bezzer is starting to find his shot and he's scoring goals. And I said this in the first episode, when you give Brock Bezer time and space to shoot the puck, he will make you pay because he is a certified sniper when it comes to taking those shots. And I love watching him on the power play, get ready for those one timers and, He's just so good when he has the puck on his stick. And the same can be said for Elias Pettersson. This guy is as dynamic as any player in the league. He he just does all these things where we're starting to feel like he is slowly getting back to, to how he played in the past. And maybe it was a confidence issue. Maybe it was something to do with the way the team was playing. Um, during that losing skid, but he's slowly getting that confidence and that's going to be huge going forward because we need him to play at a high level. Obviously, he has a new contract and we want him to 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 be happy, obviously. That's kind of the big fear when the team is losing. Everyone was waiting for that first domino to fall. When if a player requests a trade, then more players will follow. And we were hoping that you know everything kind of was okay for players to to stay and no one would request a trade and no one would kind of just jeopardize this, this team's future because we do have a young core to build on going forward. We have our goalie of the future, we have Quinn Hughes, one of our key defensemen of the future, and we have forwards to build around. And that is something that's important is that we can't waste this young core. We can't waste their prime by having to rebuild and retool and I think that's something that Jim Rutherford will make sure happens the right way that this team will not necessarily trade draft picks on players that won't be part of this team's future he'll be sure to make sure that whoever comes into this team this season next season however long it takes will be part of an eventual dynasty, I, I certainly hope. And Jim Rutherford, he's won Cups with multiple teams. Obviously, he was part of that Pittsburgh team that that won back-to-back and had a, a key part in bringing in guys. And he is known for being aggressive. And there may be the fear with our fan base that he may make an impulse move that just doesn't go the right way. And honestly, as a Canucks fan, we know what it's like to have impulse moves. We've had many of those. And we've had a lot of moments where we're just wondering why this move was made and how we didn't get anything back. And you can say that it might have been the Toffoli trade. It might have been, you know, trading Jared McCann. There's a whole bunch, and I won't get into the negatives of that. But Jim Rutherford, along with finding a general manager for the future, is building a culture that is very different from what we've had for a long time and we're starting to see that there's a lot more communication with the media with the fans especially in regards to these covid postponements he's speaking to the media very soon after things are announced and it's refreshing because for a long time there was just all this animosity all this negativity because of the way this team is being run and slowly the structure is being built for this team to do well in the future. And we're going into this holiday stretch. As I record this, it's Wednesday, December 22nd. Um, no games will be played, at least until next Monday, Tuesday. I don't know exactly the date that they'll be back. Um, but looking at our schedule for the remainder of December there are a lot of winnable games and even going into the new year we play some teams that are around us or lower than us in the standings and that's certainly a chance for us to make ground and continue to win and i hope we can go on a long winning streak obviously that shouldn't be the expectation because those rarely happen you know for us to get to 10 games that's unlikely but if we can go a successful January by winning a lot of games. And we we do play a lot of good teams. We play Tampa Bay, we play Florida, Carolina, Washington going forward in January. But we're starting to build that confidence that we needed. And we're starting to see the players play with a lot more energy. And they're trying to figure out that this is a team that can do some damage in the playoffs. And... It'll be entertaining to see. I am certainly hopeful that this team will continue to make some some ground and the playoffs aren't impossible for us to make. I, I certainly think that we may have a chance at at building a good record and and sneaking our way into a wild card spot. That's that's my prediction. I don't know if it'll work out or not, but That's certainly what I hope. And also connecting to these COVID postponements, um, leading up to this recent pause, one of the key players that I didn't exactly talk about much is Bo Horvat, and he's one of our best players. He, He often gets forgotten about because he doesn't have that same reputation as Elias Patterson or Quinn Hughes or Thatcher Demko but Bo Horvat is one of our best players and we're super lucky to have him on our team um and super lucky to have him as our captain because he is a great captain. I know a lot of people doubt his ability to to lead and it it may have been like a vocal leader issue that that people were referring to where he didn't really talk much during that losing skid. But that's not important now. What's, what's important now is... How he's elevated his game... Um, with... You know, these recent changes. And he's playing like he's... He's enjoying the game. And that's something that... Is huge. Because we saw Bo Horvat During the 2020 playoffs... He was at... Like that high point... Where a lot of people were starting to realize... That he is... A really good player. And... Bull Horvat, I remember him when he was in junior hockey with the London Knights, and I remember him when he was representing Team Canada in the World Juniors, and even on his way with the Canucks as a young kid in the 2015 playoffs versus Calgary. This is a guy that wasn't exactly a flashy player, but he was a player that had a huge impact. You know, he was physical, he was a guy that did the little things the right way, and that's essentially what's led him to being our captain, is that he's a leader by action. And one thought that I've had throughout this season, even dating back to the last few seasons, is that Bo Hervat is a guy that doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And I say this because for a long time, a lot of people were making their roster predictions for Team Canada. And I know right now, as I record this, The NHL is not sending players to the Olympics, so it's a huge disappointment not to see some of our greatest players in the league be able to represent their countries, especially the fact that we may not see Con McDavid and Sidney Crosby on the same Olympic team ever. And I thought that Bo Horvat had a... a not necessarily a really good chance but I thought he was in the running for one of those positions even if it was like that last spot Bo definitely deserved a chance or some recognition at, at being on Team Canada there were guys on other teams that were getting a lot of praise guys like Zach Hyman um, Manjapani um, I don't know Mitch Marner and I think Mitch Marner would have made this Team Canada team anyways but if I were to compare Zach Hyman and Bo Horvat, I don't know. Maybe it's just my bias as a Canucks fan, but I think Bo Horvat should have got the chance, and it's debatable. I think there's a lot of guys that wouldn't have made this team because it's such a deep group where there's a lot of guys that may not have made the team because of the way this roster was going to be built for Team Canada. And it would have been interesting to see if Bo Horvat. Made the team or not, um, and where he would have fit, because he is a versatile player. You don't necessarily have to play him at center. He could play the wing, and even if you put him as an extra forward, if you put him in the lineup for, you know, one of those exhibition matches, I think he would have done amazing. And it's it's a disappointment that the NHL won't be going to the Olympics. It's understandable. Um, I certainly understand the reasoning behind it, especially with this COVID situation kind of getting worse. um, I think it was a five-week quarantine that likely would have had to happen if a player tested positive, which I don't think any player would have liked to spend five weeks there. Um, And obviously there's a lot of underlying controversies surrounding this Olympic Games where just... There's these diplomatic boycotts going on. And just a lot of people saying, just postpone the Games. If they could do the same with the Summer Olympics from this year, that was pushed back from last year. Why couldn't they do the same for this Winter Olympics? Or at least move it, you know, to 2023. And the Olympics, they, they are very costly. I know that... China doesn't want to to lose money with this. Obviously, there won't be visitors coming. And that's a huge issue because you plan for these Olympics so far in advance where you can't predict these types of things. And that kind of goes back to when we hosted the Olympics in 2010. We found out that we were hosting in 2003 and we had seven years to prepare and, and build the infrastructure and get the city ready for the spotlight and I can't imagine you know if something had happened if COVID had happened back then how it would have affected our Olympic experience and Beijing obviously has hosted the Olympics before but everyone was hoping that by this time in February of 2022 that COVID would be long gone and that we can enjoy the games and maybe we'll just have to wait till 2026 for a proper olympic experience i I don't know and going back to the olympic games in vancouver the 2030 olympics have been a topic uh, within our city because vancouver is very interested in hosting the olympics and they've collaborated with um, indigenous community is to get their support and approval to be able to host these games and it is monumental because of how distant our government and um, First Nations peoples have been in the past because of the history that, ex- that is there and to get that support and approval for 2030 is huge and a lot of people either want the Olympics or don't want it and financially it can be a huge mess um but i think it would be a huge boost to our economy obviously assuming it's safe by then you know tourism will be a a huge hit for vancouver just in general vancouver is one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world so to be able to bring in people for the olympics would be amazing and i i would certainly like the olympics Back in Vancouver in twenty thirty, by then, I will be thirty two years old, um, perhaps with a family. I I don't know, but it would be neat to experience that again, twenty years later, because even though I was young, back in twenty ten, I I understood like the significance of the games. I understood why it was important for Vancouver to host the Olympics and and the impact it would have going forward. The legacy of 2010 is always going to be there nothing will ever replace that experience and 2030 will bring in a new era of of fans you know to be able to say that i was able to take you know my my kids or to kind of experience that with my friends is is huge and it's very rare to see a city host the same version of the olympics twice um Vancouver obviously has the infrastructure they have a lot of you know the building set if they needed to make some minor renovations or improvements that's that's fine but we wouldn't have to make all these new buildings because we have them in place and I think the deadline for us to to figure out if we have the Olympics would be 2023 which isn't far off I'm hoping that Vancouver gets the Olympics, and that's that's my opinion i I know people feel strongly about the Olympics and how we've already had it once we don't need it to have it to happen again here um but some people would like that experience again and it it will be interesting to see exactly what happens um I don't know the the other cities in the running um Vancouver's always kind of been named the the favorite um which I don't know if that's fair or not, or... But the Olympics are, you know, prestigious for for a number of reasons, and I think no matter where they're hosted, you know, I try to watch and support Canada as much as I can, and obviously the time differences when they're in other countries does make it harder, but obviously if it's here, no need to worry about a time difference. And I'd love to be able to see different events hoping that the nhl will have players by then because i'd love to go to rogers arena to watch team canada play against whoever because by then we'll have some of the biggest stars and we we may see potentially the last chance of mcdavid being in the team canada uniform for the olympics because by then it'll be i don't know his 14th season 14th or 15th season which means That he is getting up there in age, even though he is my age, which is scary. Um, But yeah, I think in covering the Canucks and the Olympics now, I hope you're excited for for either one of those or both. Um, The Canucks have this bright future ahead where they're starting to realize that potential and starting to play like the team we envision them to play. And, of course, with the Olympics, I will support Team Canada, no matter who's representing us on that level. We have some amazing winter athletes who are ready to to put all that hard work to use. And Canada is always the favourite for various sports in the Winter Olympics, and this will be no different. I, I'm I'm very excited to see who we we send and who we have on the podium. And with that being said, that is the end of this segment for a mix of the Vancouver Canucks and the Olympics. We'll be right back with a very special segment that many baseball fans will be excited to hear. Right. We are in the seventh inning stretch with Max Gilarducci. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hey, yeah. Um, so my name is Max Gilarducci. Uh, I love baseball, and I'm here to talk some baseball with you every couple of weeks, Adrian.
0: Right. We're excited. So what do you want to start off with? You want to start off with your favorite
1: team in the world? Favorite team in the world, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, okay. Got my heart broken a bit at the end of last season with their... Law, or they're with their win to the Baltimore Orioles that didn't really end their season, but it was more so the Yankees and the Red Sox ending their season. Yeah, um, I think it's the most engaged I've seen fans in a long time with the Toronto Blue Jays. It was just a great season overall when you look at things that people have done, like Bo stayed healthy the entire year. Not, not enough people are talking about that. Um, Ray and Simeon went off and we'll talk about them a bit more later. It's a bit unfortunate that we lost them, but they had a hell of a season. And Vladi became a beast. He, any other year, he would have been the MVP, but we saw something historic from Shohei Ohtani. I think that yeah. they made the right choice with giving him the MVP. A lot of Blue Jays fans might disagree with me on that one. Um, and though Springer was injured for, I want to say, 83 games, I think he only played 79, he quietly hit 22 home runs and had a 900 OPS in less than half of the season, which is absolutely insane. If he'd play a full season, he would have been on pace for 45 home runs. So who knows? Um, you know how the last day of the season broke my damn heart. I think it broke every Jays fan's heart, yeah, especially considering the Braves only won 88 games and managed to win the World Series when the Blue Jays won 91. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and I think that the 2021 season is just indicative of the fact that um, your bullpen can make or break your season. All the, t- all the days that they kept throwing out Chatwood or – uh, Dolice, like I mean I love the like I, I try and separate the player I, I try and look at the player from a humanity standpoint and like re- recognize that they're human but at some point I was just like oh come on like I mean Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have built a dynasty here I believe but they really um messed up when it comes to the bullpen last year but I think that they're on their way to doing a good thing do you have any big thoughts on the 2021 season
0: I think obviously, to echo your sentiment about the season, um, it was a season to remember. Um, we haven't had many of those recently, other than 2015 and 2016, but look at where they started, and how things were going through the middle of the season, and then they started to catch steam, and they started to really improve, and it became exciting, especially in the last quarter of the season, when, when everybody was realizing that this team can really make some damage, and Like you said, the Braves obviously won the World Series, winning less games than us. But it shows just how competitive the AL East is, as it's always been. Um, Anytime you go toe-to-toe with the Yankees, Red Sox especially, it's always going to be a tough uh, time. But based on the acquisitions we've made, which I know we'll get into very soon, I think we can easily top the AL East next season. And there's a lot to build on going forward, especially with the acquisitions and the emergence of young players that... Really surprised us.
1: Yeah, no, um, they did. They, as we as we know, the lockout is currently happening in baseball. As of recording, it's December seventeenth today. Mm-hmm. So we've had like two weeks of virtually no news aside from the Mets. The Mets trying to search for their new manager, which mm-hmm. is pretty much the only thing that's really happened. Yeah. Um, but just to recap, what happened with the Blue Jays in between the end of the season and December first. Um, first thing they did, they signed Jose Brios to a seven-year. million contract with uh, opt-out after five years. And I do not think they could have made a better move to start the off season. Brios is your ACE going forward. And I think he was one of the most underrated guys in the league last year or the rotation. And when the blue Jays acquired them or required him acquired him. um, A lot of people said that they overpaid, but like, let's be honest. We don't know, like prospects are a sure thing. They're just that they're prospects. They're not established yeah. people. It's and Yeah, I know. Right. And prospects are or a prospect like Austin Martin who went to Vanderbilt and went fifth overall. That's a lot to give up for a guy like Jose Brios. Yeah. However, he, Jose Brios is the real deal. He's been one of the top pitchers in the league since 2016 when he first started here. And Getting him for virtually $20 million a season is what they pretty much gave out for Hyunjin Ryu. Um, And I think that it's a great deal for Brios because he's securing the bag. It's a great deal for the Blue Jays because they're underpaying for him. Like he's been, he's an established big league starter and I think he's their ace going forward. I think he and the next guy I'm going to talk about make a pretty good one-two punch. Um, Speaking of... The other guy, uh, we the Blue Jays recently acquired Kevin Gosman, uh, signed him to a five-year $110 million deal. And I think a lot of Jays fans are a bit torn about this one because they really wanted to see Robbie Ray come back. But Robbie Ray was going to, I'm pretty sure he was going to go anywhere regardless. Like a lot of free agents say that they're going to stay. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, free agents leave. And when you look at a team like, like the Los Angeles Dodgers, they've lost players like Kike Hernandez and many others over, like over the last 10 years or so. And to build an established dynasty, you have to like be willing to let some of those players go. Like when you look at Hernandez and Gurriel, their contracts are up in a couple of years and yeah, it will be sad to see them go, but they need to have money to. I think I think their number one priority going forward should be signing Vladdy to a long long-term deal. I think he could be a franchise cornerstone for these It'll guys. It'll be a
0: monster deal, but I yeah. I'm confident that they'll do their best to keep him.
1: Yeah, because if not, I don't want the last thing I want to see is Vladdy in a Yankees jersey in 2028. <laughs> That's true. That'd be, I think I might have to quit as a sports fan and pursue my lifelong dream of becoming a cricket fan. <laughs> um but regarding Gosman like you have a you have a guy with a stuff right there and he's slotting into your number 2 he has a killer splitter and last season i believe he pitched to a pretty decent era pro, era i can't remember what it was i think it was 2.81 yeah 2.81 and that was way above league average and Robbie Ray had a 2.84 like these guys are comparable and the blue jays got him for 5 million less and for a guy who's the same age like, it's awesome. What do you think?
0: I like it. I think when we found out that we were in the sweepstakes for Gaussman, that was huge because we, the Blue Jays normally aren't in the sweepstakes for many big name free agents, at least in recent memory. Um, and we did know if, if we do sign Gaussman, then that was likely that Ray was going to go unless there was some miracle where we, we kept him. But good for Robbie Ray. You know, he had an amazing year, you know, he's AL Cy Young. That's incredible, but it is good to, to move on. Um, he will, I think he will be good with Seattle, but yeah, um, I'm excited for Gallisman, what he brings to our rotation. Cause we have a very deep rotation. Now we have what four guys that are easily can be the aces of our t- of our, of our pitching staff and Easy. And we have a lot of young talent. We obviously have Pearson who's, you know, still working through some things, but I know will be a good future or pitcher in the future, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's good to see the Jays kind of make these big signings. They made uh, getting Ryu, getting Springer, now getting Gaussman is showing that they're not afraid to spend to win games. And that's the critical thing going forward. It's that to win games, you need to bring in talent and, as good as we are as developing players, we need to bring in some big name-free agents, bring people to the Rogers Centre and win games. And we're definitely on the right track. And I think there's a lot of big moves that I think we'll make um, as soon as the lockout ends. I hope um, there's still a lot of holes that we can fill, but good piece of work.
1: I mean, you see all these fans on Twitter really focusing on like the Freddie Freeman rumors and... All the other rumors circling the Jays, the Blue Jays don't need a first baseman. They have the best first baseman in the league. Yeah. What they could do is, what they should do is sign the older Seeger brother to a couple years deal yeah. and platoon Biggio and Espinola at second base. I think that would be an awesome way to go. Yeah. I haven't given up on Biggio yet. I, I, I don't know why so many people have. Yeah. He was injured throughout all of last year. And I think that he's going to have a bounce. I think he's a candidate for a bounce back season next year.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, I think we're um, they... hard
0: on the young players. So, sorry to inter- interject, but <laughs> um, Biggio is a good talent. Um, and I think if, like you said, putting him or Espinel at that's, that platoon position would work out for him. Um, if it's short term, uh, obviously, they'll know exactly whether Biggio fits uh, the puzzle um, going forward. But I think they need to give him a chance. Let him play. Let him show what he's capable of doing and go from there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so they did make one more signing before the lockdown started. And that is Emi Garcia. Uh, he was the Astros. He was an Astros reliever last year. I believe he pitched for the Marlins before the Astros. Um, I, I like this guy. I, the Blue Jays need bullpen help. It's no secret. Um, if they didn't get Simber or Richards last year, I'm pretty sure they would have finished under 500 because, <laughs> because their bullpen just wasn't there, but, I like this guy he brings he brings a setup man role to the team and I think that if the Blue Jays sign anyone else like I, I think they're gonna try and fill that hole at second or third base with a free agent or sorry with a trade yeah and if they sign any more free agents I think it's gonna be like a Kenley Jansen type to shore up the back end of that bullpen and make the Blue Jays have one of the scariest lineups and one of the scariest like pitch has have some scary pitching in the league right. Um, On to some sad news, uh, departures of key players. So lost three key players, uh, Ray, uh, Robbie Ray, Stephen Matz and Marcus Simeon. Uh, from what I hear, those three were just leaders in the clubhouse, which is a, always a tough loss. Um, and I, what drives me uh, crazy is like no one really even thought that Robbie Ray was going to do that much this year. And he won the AL Cy Young Award, which is absolutely crazy. And I mean, I I don't hate the fact that they let them walk, especially because Simeon is signed through his age 38 or 39 season. Yeah. Yeah. Which, unless, like, you're A-Rod or Derek Jeter, (laughs) I wouldn't really do that to myself. I'm pretty sure that, like, Robinson Cano signed through his, like, 40-year-old season to look at how that contract's working out for the Mets. Yeah. Well, it's not the Mets. Seattle signed him initially, but... You don't want to sign a guy that old, that long of a deal. Like, I think that if he only wanted five or six years, I think they could have done that, but seven was just too many.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a smart call on the front office's part because exactly what you said, it's risky to give older players those kind of deals because it'll backfire if there's some kind of injury in the short term where we're just paying this guy to not play. And Simeon's good. Um, He played the full season for us. He did a lot of things for us um offensively and defensively but it's maybe it it could be a blessing in disguise i i don't know exactly that remains to be seen depending on how next season goes and who we put in his spot but um that's that's what happens when you have a really good player or a leader on your team who gets that payday somewhere else and you know we'll see how the rangers do they didn't do too well this season but they've made some big moves as well um bounce back and same thing with, uh, like we said, with Robbie Ray. He did some really good stuff for us, but he is getting older and we could use that money to re-sign our pending free agents. And mm-hmm. we know we have uh, some guys we need to pay going forward.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm I I'm of the belief that Vladi could even be better next year because of the, the amount of work that he's putting in this offseason from what I hear. Yeah. Like, I mean... Oh, no, I, I don't really, I'm not an, I'm not an MLB insider. I live actually very far away from any MLB team, but (laughs) I love baseball and I think that he's going to do it. I think he's going to get better, like probably in the average department, certainly. And maybe even in the home run department, like the guy's a beast. And he's the only person in history to get that 80 hitting number or the scout projection. Um, Ray, you're right. Ray will probably progress as well. Um, But you know that we live in Vancouver, sorry to dox us, Mm -hmm. but I'm probably going to go watch him in Seattle when the opportunity arises, when COVID's safe to do so, because man, that guy was electric to watch on TV and I would love to go see him play in Seattle. Yeah, Um, Both will be missed and I'm appreciative of them. Uh, Good luck in Texas and Seattle, respectively, to both of them. Um, we have one more player who departed or one more big name. I'm not quite sure if Corey Dickerson signed where somewhere else yet. I don't think he has. But uh Stephen Matz got a four-year, $44 million contract from the St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm I'm happy for him. Like New York, the Mets were toxic to him, and he had a bet. On, he had a year to bet on himself, and he really paid off like. I think that people don't recognize how valuable he was to this team. He had a sub four ERA as a number five guy. That's almost unheard of in this league. Um, something interesting that did come from that though, was um, how Steve Cohen just like had beef with his agent. I don't know how much you know about that, but like <laughs> when Stephen Matt signed Steve Cohen, Oh, funny did the same day? I didn't even realize. Um, Steve Cohen tweeted out how disappointed he was in uh Matz's agent because he promised them to he promised him to sign there. And then Stephen Matz's agent took the better deal to send him to St. Louis. Yeah. So it wasn't a good week for Steve Cohen, but people soon forgot about that when he made a few other signings with the Mets later on that week. Yeah. Um we've already gone over the future of the day future of the Blue Jays a little bit. Um, like you said, their rotation's electric. Mm-hmm. They have pretty much every position on the diamond field. They have three catchers right now that are pretty much average, like three average catchers. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, I know, I know there's a lot of Danny Jansen haters out there, but he did finish with a, he, he wasn't above average hitter. If you go look at his stats, I believe it was a one Oh six WRC plus yeah. And like a one Oh five OPS plus that's like 5% better than league average. When people look at Danny Jansen, I think that they don't realize how valuable he is to the pitching staff Like the pitchers wouldn't be performing as well if they weren't throwing to him, especially Hinge and Ryu, as we saw last year a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think Ryu was also struggling a little bit with the sticky stuff as well when that whole thing went down, because I think, like many other pitchers in the league, he relied on that for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: But what do you think about the future of this team?
0: I think uh, we've kind of alluded to it already. There's a lot of good prospects that are still waiting in the wings, obviously. Um, I believe his name is Gabriel Moreno. He's having an amazing off season. He's rising up the prospect ranks, which begs the question, how, or who do you think will be the catcher of the future in about three, four years time? Because we have Moreno, we have captain Kirk. Is there a, a favorite that you have, or is it kind of a, a catcher by committee approach that you'd like to see?
1: Well, I'm of the belief that they need to figure out that catching situation pretty quickly with Moreno on the way. Yeah. They have three serviceable catchers yeah. and there's just not room on a 26 man roster, especially with the way that teams value pitching nowadays, or you're going to carry more relievers than bench players. And I think that one of them is going to be gone by the time that spring rolls around, provided the lockout ends within the next few months. Yeah. Because. When you look at Reese McGuire, he's been, he filled in it for them at a time of need. I think he's the least likely to stick around.
0: Yeah.
1: But if they want to make a trade for someone like Jose Ramirez, Catel Marte, or a number five starter from like one of those guys from Miami and they're loaded, um, they're probably going to have to give up Kirk for that. Like I think Moreno's as untouchable as it gets mm-hmm. when it comes to prospects, prospects, him and Elvis Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the catching do, catching tandem of the future might be Moreno and Jansen because Jansen still has three or four years left. Yeah. Whereas I think McGuire's time is done, and I think people need to recognize his value to the team that he provided last year, especially when Jansen and Kirk were both out with injuries and they were serv- they were playing Riley Adams every five days, mm-hmm. which, I mean – Riley Adams, he could. I hope he. I hope the best for him in Washington. Um, Well, I mean, I would like for him to perform well in Washington, but not too well because you know what they gave up. You know what they traded for when they got rid of Riley Adams, Brad Hand, and you don't need to ask many Blue Jays fans about that to tell you their feelings on Brad Hand. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think that it's going to be Moreno and Jansen, or Moreno and some veteran guy like they did a couple years ago with Caleb Joseph. He was really important to that team last year.
0: And what I wanted to get into next is because of the prospects that we have, who are there any that you would sacrifice for a player like Jose Ramirez?
1: Oh man. Well, there's a few guys on the Canadians, (laughs) the high A team that's in our city that would be decent, like Adam Klofenstein and, C.J. Van Eek, Van Eek, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name. But, Those um, are two yeah. decent pitching prospects. I think they could turn around for, a like, like a, build a package around Kirk, maybe Gurriel for Cattell Marte. Yeah. I think they're going to have to give up a little bit if they want to get a decent third baseman, or, I mean, a top-level third baseman, because they really, really, they're so close, man. They are so close, especially yeah. with the pitching staff that they're building. And I think that a player like Jose Ramirez or Catal Marte would really round out that lineup, and replace the production you're losing from Simeon. Because Simeon's—he even if he came back, he's not going to reproduce the season that he just had. Like yeah. he had a career year. I mean, I hope I hope he does. I hope he performs well in Texas, despite how much that hurts to say as a Blue Jays fan. But it's just—I really hope that they sign another guy there. Um, Another topic: uh, the All Star Game is going to be in Seattle in 2023. Yeah. Um, who knows what variants will be around by that point of COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. but if I could afford it, oh man, it would be awesome to go see an All Star Game down in Seattle. It's only a couple hours away.
0: And I, I feel like we would have a few All Stars of our own from the Blue oh, Jays yeah. in there, so it would be nice to see some Blue Jay representation and, and go down there. But we'll definitely keep that in in, in our mind. Hope to go.
1: Uh, do you think it's time for me to make my bold choice of the week?
0: Go for it. I'm, I'm ready.
1: All right. So my bold choice of the week is I am tired of seeing dickheads on social media shit-talking shit, on talk, shit talking Simeon in the front office. I don't think people recognize how much the front office of the Toronto Blue Jays has done over the last couple of years. They've turned it around from the 2015-2016 in a matter of time that seems virtually impossible. And they never finished fifth in their division either. Like, if you look at the time that it's taken for the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers to turn things around from their last competitive seasons, the Blue Jays Jays are pretty lucky with what they've got here. And people on social media just keep on talking about how, oh, Ross Atkins doesn't do this. Oh, Mark Shapiro doesn't do that. Well, they brought in a lot of talent. They were the ones who brought in Guerrero. Like, they brought in Guerrero. They drafted Bo Bichette. And I think a lot of these trades that they've done are really good. The other thing that I'm mad at seeing is people shit talking Marcus Simeon for securing the bag and going across the country, or I guess going to the other country in the league to home. pursue $270 million. Do you really think he would have gotten $270 million for the blue Jays? No, he's just going to do what's the, what's right for him. And it's no secret that all baseball players are overpaid. Like, No one needs that much money, but if, if if I was a player, I'd go wherever offered me the most money. And I don't think that Simeon's a traitor. Like a lot of people are saying of him on social media. I'm just tired of people doing that, man. Like they're human beings. Right.
0: That's true. I think that's kind of the, the issue with, um, with sports now is because of social media, people feel they have the need to, to voice their opinion. And we like, everyone has their own opinion but at the same time you have to remember that these people are human they have families and they are doing what's best for themselves Mm -hmm. and their families it's not a matter of betraying the team and joining a rival per se but that's something that fans need to understand it's not just baseball it's every other sport yeah um where they become a little bit too emotional and they let the emotions get the best of them and say things that really shouldn't be said and that's part of the issue with Athletes not wanting to come to a certain city to play because of that fan base and having to, to deal with that on a regular basis when things don't go according to plan.
1: Yeah. And I would be hypocritical if I said that I didn't do the same thing once in a while, especially with, you know, Jim Benning and everything that's happened with yeah. the Canucks oh. over the last couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, six, six in a row last night, man. Six yeah. in a row.
0: Six in a row. We're definitely aiming for Southern.
1: I mean, you'll talk about that on your other portion of the podcast, but (laughs) I figured it's notable, especially their little comeback that they had the other night. Um, Before I head out, there's just a little bit of other news that's not overly Jays-centric. A lot of players signed before the lockout, and it's been one of the most exciting off-seasons that we've seen in a while. Um, There's barely any top free agents left on the market, which I think is a good thing, especially going to the lockout, because who knows how long this will last. If this ends up going into March, like – that means that the players aren't going to be ready in time for the season, like the ones who are unsigned. And we don't want to see that. We want to see everyone perform at their best. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so Max Scherzer, um, two different eye colors himself. He uh, signed a. I want to say it was it was the largest contract in baseball history. Forty five million a year. That's absolutely insane for a thirty seven year old for a three year deal. Yeah. Like he beat Trevor Bauer's contract last year and if we can get into Trevor Bauer another time. Like that's just a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Sorry for bringing that up Dodgers fans. But <laughs> if, if any of you are listening to this Canucks podcast, um, but overall, I think that he deserves it, man. When you sign a seven year deal and you outperform your contract of that seven year old seven year deal, how many players outperform their record breaking contracts? Like, he signed a seven-year, $210 million deal with the Washington Nationals seven years ago, and he lived up every dollar of it. Like, he finished second in Cy Young voting this season, I believe, second or third, and the man's 30, he's going to his 37-year-old season. Like, he and and Justin Verlander, for lack of a better term, are still dropping dick in their late 30s, which is pretty cool for pitchers, and they're both future Hall of Famers, and we got to start putting some respect on those names, even though like just Verlander was part of the Astros scandal. I know your feelings on that and you know, my feelings on that, but yeah. I think, I think we have a difference of opinion there, but.
0: It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's obviously the Astros are controversial because of what they did. Um Now, going back to what you said about respecting Verlander and Scherzer, they, they are two of the greatest pitches of our generation and will always be Known as these iconic pitchers and easily hall of famers, there's no denying that. Yeah. Um. And for Max Scherzer to get, you know, that to get that bag, uh, for lack of a better term, is huge because it shows just how important he is, um, as a pitcher and going to the team that he is going to, and you you can argue that baseball players do get paid a, a tad bit much, um, especially at their age, but. Like you said, Max Scherzer lived up to his his previous contract. I don't doubt that you know he'll he'll have any issues with uh, his new team. I think he will be a really good pitcher and could be a Cy Young candidate. You never know.
1: Yeah. Um, last thing I want to talk about for my section of this podcast: um, how much money do you think Cor- uh, Carlos Correa is going to make after seeing what Corey Seer got from the Texas Rangers at? 10 years and 325 million.
0: Better not be more than that, that's for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, mean, I think he's gonna
0: get more. Debatable. I
1: think I think he's gonna get more. Like I think he might, he's only 27 years old. Mm-hmm. And I think that they might pay him through like a 39-year season. Like he's gonna be one of those like Manny Machado types that yeah. is not gonna do something record-breaking. It might have been record breaking a few years ago before, you know, the Manny Machado deals and the Bryce Harper deals and the Fernando Tetis Jr. deals. Um, but he's going to make money. And that really just begs the question, are the, are the Texas Rangers overpaying Corey Seager? Because the man spends half of his half the season injured, a lot of it. And I'm I'm not saying by any doubt, he is not a good player. He is a top three shortstop in the league for sure. And definitely lives up to a, a large sum of money, especially compared to like but someone like Manny Machado got, like, I think he's a comparable, if not better player to Manny Machado when he signed. Yeah. Um, but with the amount that he's injured, would you want a guy like that on the blue Jays? I mean, we have a guy like that in Springer, but like, <laughs> you know,
0: it's hard because when healthy, it could definitely be a huge, huge boost to us. But yeah. when not healthy, that's a lot of money going to someone that could be going to, another player or at least a few other players if you divide it up. And I mean if the Rangers want to spend that much on on Seeger and on you now Simeon, then let them do that. Uh we don't know how it'll work or whether one or both will remain healthy throughout the season or where they'll finish, but that is something that Ranger the Rangers fans will have to kind of live with if it's a contract that goes south.
1: Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. I love the podcast. It's good. <laughs> I think, I think you're starting something pretty big here, man. Thank you. I appreciate I
0: it. Thanks for hopping on. You can yeah. catch, uh, the seventh inning stretch with Max Gigi every two weeks. He has a lot of great opinions on baseball. We have some things, uh, in the works for the next episode. Yeah. So stay tuned for that, but thanks for joining.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. See you later.
0: Welcome back. So this is our third and final segment of this week's episode. This is the bold choice of the week. And for those of you that are new, I always dedicate the third segment of each episode to topics that are controversial, unpopular, or just you want to get people talking. And it may not necessarily be something controversial each week. It may be just something that's happening in the world and just me giving my my take on it. That's that's always a possibility but I always encourage you to send in your controversial opinions stuff that you think will maybe divide the room or get people's attention and get people to talk because that's what we want that's we want people to enjoy this and, and kind of gain something from it and this week is no different it is a topic that I am very opinionated about and it is something that affects us in our lives. Uh, sometimes we don't even realize it. And before I get to it, I will say that we are going into the end of the year. The day I record this is Wednesday, December 22nd, and we're not too far off from the new year and we're doing a lot of self-reflection. We're looking in the mirror and we are thinking about what this year has meant to us. and how it's affected us because this year has been many things it's been a year of challenges and setbacks but also a year of opportunity and growth and that's certainly how I see it and it really varies on on what we've experienced individually because everybody's perception of this year is different from from one another and that's kind of what makes it so special and a lot of the time we're reminded of all the things that we did and places we've been to, and all the times we were with family and friends. And social media has a great way of kind of showing us this, especially at the end of the year. They kind of put these things together where you can see exactly, you know, where you went and what you did. And the music streaming platform, Spotify, kind of has this in a very different manner, where it shows us our year in music, um and it kind of compiles our data such as you know the artists we've listened to the songs we listen to the most the playlists the genres the podcasts all of that stuff and they make it into a very entertaining and sometimes surprising infographic because it shows us things that we kind of expect to see but also didn't expect to see and They've done a really good job with it. I don't know how long they've been doing it. Maybe three, four years, uh, somewhere around there. And it's always well ante- anticipated because this is something that people want to show off to their friends and family. They'll put it on their Instagram stories to show off to their followers just just to show, oh, I listen to these five songs the most or these are my most listened to artists. And it's it's pretty cool to see everybody's taste in music because sometimes you don't know what people listen to you know you see people with headphones and you have no idea what they could be listening to and I think that's one of the things people ask me is that when they see me listening to music or kind of moving my head around or kind of whistling they don't know what music I'm enjoying even the people close to me my family they'd struggle to guess my favorite genres of music and If you asked me five years ago, I would have said that it would have been pop, rap, and EDM. That was probably my likely answer. And if you ask me now, I wouldn't even know what genres to tell you. Because over the course of these past two years, I've kind of taken it upon myself to try new genres and to appreciate music in a different lens by listening to things that I wouldn't have listened to before and i've taken time to kind of look at artists that maybe i liked a song or two of theirs and wanted to see more about them and see what music they've put out in recent years and this has been interesting to me because i feel like i've spent so much time listening to the same music where i've missed out on so many others and When I was growing up, I was exposed to such amazing artists like Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, George Michael, um, Elton John, so on and so forth. You know, those iconic artists from a certain era of time that my parents were growing up in. And I remember very fondly um, Sunday afternoons, we'd come home from church and I'd be young playing with my toys or reading a book or whatever I was doing my mom would be cooking my dad would be cleaning and we'd be playing music we'd play the radio we'd play CDs and i remember the types of songs that would come on and just how happy music made my parents you know they'd sing along and and i i didn't know exactly the significance of that music until i grew older and i've started to feel that same way where i hear a nostalgic song and i feel so happy i just remember What life was like around that time you know and you can hear a song from I don't know 2002 you know you can hear a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton and I remember what life was like back then and some people call it an old song some people call it a classic I just call it a throwback because that's what it is to me you know it's not too far away it's only 19 years going 20 and we feel that way about a lot of different songs and artists and that's kind of the beauty and power of music it's it's more than just something you listen to music expresses our our deepest emotions and feelings music represents our culture and heritage and it reminds us of different times in our lives both good and bad and we listen to music to feel something at a certain time and sometimes we're the highest point in our life where we're on top of the world we're happy we feel like everything's going in our way but there's times where we're struggling and we're going through things and we listen to music to reflect that and to lift us up and make us feel like everything will be okay and one thing that I've I've noticed in my music listening habits is that I've expanded my horizons and I say that because I don't have a specific genre that I listen to. I have a bunch of playlists that are filled with songs from different eras. You know, if if I want to listen to songs that make me dance, there's songs from the 80s, 90s, the 2000s, and yesterday that make me dance. If I want to listen to songs I want to sing in the shower, there's a multitude of songs from different times. I have a playlist just for throwbacks and that encompasses you know, a lot of artists, a lot of different years and, and decades, and I'm always going through the playlist and updating it with new songs that I rediscover from, from social media and just going through different databases to see what songs were at the top of the charts at a certain point in different years. And with this, I haven't only rediscovered my, my love for music in different times, I've also noticed that I'm starting to appreciate more genres than I have in the past. And what I said at the beginning about me not even being able to explain what genres I like, this is because I listen to a lot of genres and subgenres. And I don't necessarily know what my favorite is. Um, I think it maybe depends on the season, it depends on the day, my mood. one genre in particular that may really surprise you especially if you've known me a long long time is that i have a sudden appreciation for country music and i know this is shocking you're probably wondering what exactly has gone wrong for me but over the course of this pandemic i've listened to country music a lot more and i i can now say it is one of my favorite genres and What I did, I would listen to artists that were prominent in the country genre. People like Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, um, Kane Brown, etc. And I really enjoyed the music, and I started to look at artists who are similar to them. And then I would go on to Spotify, and I would search up country hits, and it would have all these artists that... I had definitely heard of. I just never listened to their music. So I got to hear a lot more of Thomas Rett and Dan and Shay and Jason Aldean and Eric Church and all these amazing country artists and I just became to appreciate it a lot more and going into this past summer I took it upon myself to listen to more country and more rock and I I really enjoyed it and I now listen to 93.7 JRFM and I don't know it's it's something that maybe grows with you you know as you grow older your interests change and you become a, a new person and for me I'm the same person I have the same interests I think but I've come to know that as we grow older we start to think differently and think critically about things and I feel like I had no reason to hate on country music before. And I know that's the common notion with country music is that people just don't seem to like it. But I felt like I needed to give it a chance in order to say that. And maybe I would have listened to country music and hated it anyways. And then I can say, no, I've listened to it and I don't like it. But for me to say I never liked country music about like five years ago, I had no reason to say that. And I never gave it a chance. And I highly suggest if there's something that you don't like or you're not sure you'll like give it a chance try it out see if it's something that 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 you will will like because a lot of the time we make decisions based on impulse or emotion and we think that we're not going to like something we're not going to enjoy something but you won't know until you try it and for me country music is a genre that doesn't necessarily mean much to me. I don't have like a personal attachment to it or any history behind it. But it is something that makes me happy, makes me whistle or or sing along to. Obviously, Luke Holmes is one of the biggest artists, and I'm starting to really love his music, and I'm starting to memorize the lyrics to various songs. uh Morgan Wallen, also one of the the prominent artists as well. Obviously, he is a little bit more controversial. But as an artist, he is amazing. And for any hip-hop lovers, uh, what I want to say is Morgan Wallen and Lil Durk just put out a song called Broadway Girls. It is amazing. If you needed a song to kind of get you into country music, that has to be the song, especially if you're a fan of Lil Durk. It's a great song, so I highly suggest you check that out. But, yeah, country music, it's, it's interesting because... I if I asked myself 2 years ago to give myself a chance to listen to country music I would have said no I I would have thought it's a waste of time it's something that I just don't like and I think that's kind of the the way that we grow up and I'm starting to realize that I'm starting to appreciate music in a whole new in a whole new way because music now isn't the same as it was back then and we see that on the radio if anybody and if you still listen to the radio a lot of the songs on the radio right now are songs that are prevalent on TikTok and yeah I'm on TikTok a lot and I hear a lot of songs that I don't necessarily like and then I'll turn on the radio when I'm driving and I hear those songs and I change the radio and I think it's great for artists to to use TikTok or other social media apps to kind of build their platform and and gain a following from it. Obviously, we've seen a lot of artists who've had their songs go viral on TikTok and social media, and they've kind of become really big artists right now. But for myself, I just noticed that music is evolving and music evolves over time. We know that going from the 80s to 90s, we hear a big shift in how music sounds. And when you hear a song, you can say, oh, that's from the 80s or that's from the 90s because of the way it's produced and various instrumentals and, you know, percussion and all that. And there's a reason why people tend to not want to listen to the radio anymore. They want to listen to their own music because they want to hear what they want to hear rather than being fed music that doesn't appeal to them. And especially in Canada, there's this rule where a certain portion of music has to be played by Canadian artists um, to keep that Canadian content going and to, to promote it and a lot of the time I just don't like what I hear on the radio it's a lot of music that sounds the same it's not appealing to me and I'd rather just listen to my own playlists and listen to my throwbacks or listen to my Backstreet Boys playlist, something that actually makes me want to listen to music and enjoy it and sing along to. And that's pretty much my bold choice of the week, talking about how music has changed, how it impacts us, because we all feel a certain attachment to different genres. And we all like different artists. One of my favorite artists is Drake. And We all feel a certain way about Drake. We may say that he is one of the greatest artists in the world, one of the greatest artists to ever perform in our lifetime. But some of us may not like Drake and we may not like the genre. We may not like what they sing about or rap about. And that's completely normal. We're all gonna have different interests. We're all gonna have different opinions and perspectives on music and artists. But the one thing I think we can agree on is that music has a huge impact on our lives, on how we grow up, on how we approach life because music means a lot to us and as i'm starting to see country music is slowly becoming more and more important to me i don't know exactly why but if you're not a country fan give it a chance new song by morgan wall and Lil Durk, dirk broadway girls give it a check see how it is see how you feel towards it and maybe that may change your perspective but for now that's my bold choice of the week how country music. And just music as a whole has an impact on all of us. Thanks for listening. So as we wrap up this week's episode, I just want to say a few personal words before we end off. First, I want to show my heartfelt gratitude and appreciation to everyone for their love and support over this past week or so, especially since releasing the first episode. Um, I appreciate all the kind words, all the congratulatory messages, feedback, everything that's, that's come my way since that first episode and it's left me speechless at times because i i tend to forget just how many people i have in my corner through the good and the bad that i can rely on and this wouldn't be happening without your support so a very special thank you to all of you um and a very special thanks to everyone behind the scenes everyone who's helped with just the promotion of the podcast and the episodes everyone who's helped you know just put the word out there tell their friends and family. I know a lot of people have been sharing it on their social media as well. And then just everyone who's helped with the technical aspect, everyone who's helped with brand creation, the social media and all of that related stuff. And and be sure to follow our official social medias. We're on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. We're going to be a lot more active in the near future. We're, we're planning a lot of things and just trying to see what we can do to put the word out there. And... We're really excited going into the new year because we have a lot of big things in store. We have a lot of guests that we're we're ready to bring on. Uh, a lot of people have shown interest in, in being a part of this and we want you to be part of the Bold Choice family as well. And we're super excited for something that I think you'll be excited for as well. And that is the very first official Bold Choice giveaway. That's right, we're only in week two of this and we're already in the festive spirit by giving something away. To a very lucky supporter. There's two ways that you can qualify to win. There's no age requirement on this. One, you're going to go onto the official Instagram of the Bold Choice Podcast. You're going to go to our most recent post, and you'll know what it is. And you're going to tag two people in the comments. Doesn't matter who they are, it could be family, it could be friends, co workers, whatever the relationship may be. Take two people. That will get you three entries into our giveaway raffle one for commenting and an extra two for the two people you take and you can take as many people as you want it has to be minimum two so you can comment six or seven times and that greatly increases your chance at winning and another way you can do this you're gonna post a screenshot on your story and you're gonna take the bullet choice podcast it could be a screenshot of you listening to this episode or the past episode And you're going to tag us, and that will also get you three entries into the raffle. So there's a lot of ways you can do this. I think the easiest way is obviously commenting and tagging people. Just put the word out there. Let them know that there's a new podcast to listen to, something they may enjoy. And we're going to be doing this. And the raffle will end on New Year's Eve, and the winner will be chosen at random on New Year's Day on January 1st. So the winner will not be chosen by bias or however long I've known someone. It will be randomly selected. So I'll put all the names or or Instagram accounts of people who've commented and put things on their story. And you will see exactly who wins. And that lucky winner will get a very nice prize. It's not big, but it is something that I think they'll appreciate. It could be a very late Christmas gift for someone. It could be a birthday gift for someone. But I think it comes at a good time because... We're really grateful to everyone for their support, and we're in the holiday spirit. We want to give something away, too, and put the word out there. And this is only the first of many giveaways, so be sure to let everyone know. If they want to win a giveaway, tell them about the podcast. That's the easiest way. And I think that takes us to the very end, so I thank you for making it this far. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this announcement, and if that's the only reason why you're here, then... I guess I can say thank you to that. But thank you for all your love and support. It truly means a lot. I hope that you take care, and I hope to see you soon. And until next time, we're out.